my name is Tanya Murphy. I am the Armed Forces Insurance 2023 Navy Spouse of the Year. Um, I am also the Senior Manager of Advancement at the Travis Mannion Foundation. Um, those are my professional titles, I guess. I'm also a Navy spouse of 20 years and a mom to three boys. So can you tell me about you and your family's military journey? Yeah, so we, uh, the running joke actually is that my husband's been in the, will have been in the Navy 20 years in September, um, but he turned them down, walked away from the Navy three times before he actually joined. Um, we were high school sweethearts. He got an appointment to the Naval Academy and he decided not to go. Uh, he said he wanted to have just a normal college experience. And I was like, okay, cool. Like we're high school sweethearts. I don't, at the time I was like, it's your life. You do you boo, like whatever. Um, and then we went to college. He went and saw a recruiter uh, sophomore year, I think it was, and wanted to be a pilot. And I was like, cool, go do it, be, be a pilot. Um, and then he was like, no, I don't actually want to do that. Um, and he finally joined after he did an externship. He's a mechanical engineer by training. Um, and he figured out that working in an engineering firm was not his jam. Um, and so he went back to the recruiter and they were like, we have spots. We don't have pilot spots anymore, but you have a really good GPA and you are an engineer. So we have submarine spots. Um, and that was sort of the kickoff to it. I remember picking him up when he came back from visiting Kingsbury and was like, this is what I want to do. And I was like, Sounds like a good adventure. Um, we were young. We didn't have any kids. We actually, it was right before we got married. So he did that in May. We got married July, had a wedding in September, and he joined the Navy officially in, at the end of September. So it was kind of this join the Navy, see the world type of attitude that we had. Um, and we've really embraced that over the 20-year journey. We have been stationed on Guam, which is hands down my favorite duty station. Um, I left part of my heart buried on that island. It will always be a really special place for us. Um, we spent time in Italy for a couple of years, which was really cool. Um, my youngest son got to learn Italian and he was fluent for a while. Um, he says he doesn't remember any of it, but I think if you speak it to him, he'll still get it. Um, and then we've done up and down the East Coast. So Groton, Norfolk, um, we've been out to Millington. So we've even done the ubiquitous detailer tour. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. We've gotten to do a lot of things and cool port visits and all of that. So it's been a great ride. And as uh, the Navy Spouse of the Year, congratulations, by the way. Thank you. How, how does it feel to be recognized? You know, it's I, it's unbelievable, which sounds really silly, right? It sounds like a that humble brag, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's me. But uh, it's genuinely, oh my gosh, me? Um, I tease people all the time. I'm like, I am a salty sailor spouse at this point. Um, we have... It has been a really fun ride. It has not been without its challenges as any military life is, right? Um, and while I have a positive attitude about life in general and about outlook, but I also believe in like acknowledging the reality of the situation, right? And so there are some things that are really hard. Um, so when my friend was like, can I nominate you for this? I was like, sure you can, but like, sis, you know me, like, you know, I'm real. I'm going to keep it real. I don't know how to do anything, but keep it real. Um, and she was like, I think that's why you'd be good at it. And that has been resoundingly like the feedback that I get from my friends that are close to me. They're like, you talk to like the hard things and the things that make it fun. Right. Because it's all together as it makes yeah. life what it is. Um, so it is, it's kind of one of those almost surreal things. And there are so many Navy spouses out there that are just 
absolutely killing it on the advocacy front, on the holding it down on the home front, front on the volunteering front, on the leading um, front. There's just, there's so many people doing so many amazing things that to be recognized um, even individually as, as a part of it is an honor, but to be recognized as um, the Navy spouse was just a huge honor and something that I'm still kind of like, all right, so who wants the mic next? Because everybody's doing great things and we really need to highlight all of that. How important is it for you to be a support system for other uh, military spouses? Oh, I mean, that's of the utmost importance. You know, I think um, there's no way we could get through this life alone. There's no way. There's just, it's too hard. Um, and there have been times, particularly when we were stationed overseas, but even stateside, where despite the fact that I have a very supportive family and that I have friends that I've known, you know, since I was five or six that are extremely supportive and helpful, there's some things they just don't get because if you have not lived the military life, if you have not done the constant moves and the changes and the transitioning your kids, you just don't get it. Um, and so my fellow spouses are the friends that I often call on first before I call on family even and say, oh my gosh, this is what I'm dealing with. This is this is what I've encountered. Or even like, hey, this is the really exciting thing that happened. Um, if we're not there to support one another, then I think we're all kind of weakening ourselves as well as weakening the whole. Um, and I just, I think it's that, com that community and that connection is really what helps us balance out the challenges and navigate them with grace. Can you tell me about your work with the Travis Mannion Foundation? Absolutely. Um, so yesterday was my one year anniversary at, at Travis Oh, congrats. Yay. Um, I genuinely love my job. Um, it's, as a military spouse, you know, finding my my role in my professional career has been a challenge. I actually have a background in counseling. Um, I got a master's degree in counseling, thought I was going to be a school counselor and was like, that's what I'm going to do while I navigate this Navy life. Um, and it didn't quite work out that way. And so through a series of really fortunate events, I ended up on the team at Travis Mannion Foundation. Um, the senior manager of advancement means that I get to work with the, I work on the development team, working with our corporate partners um, and some of our community partners, building relationships, um, building impactful and meaningful partnerships so that, you know, we're really doing what we say we're doing. Um, TMF is an organization that's really based in character um, and connection and community. And so getting to be a part of that every day, um, it's really special. I genuinely love my job. When I got the job description, I called my best friend and I was like, oh my God, I think they wrote this job for me. I think this is, I think this is like my job. And I have felt like that most days. There's a couple of days where I'm like, oh my God, can I do this? Because, you know, imposter syndrome sneaks in and kind of right. taps us upside the head. But um, it is, it's a very cool role to get to be in. It's an honor. How does it feel for you that you are making an impact in family lives with the foundation? Uh, you know, it is, I don't know if there's words really for it. You know, so much of our population, we work primarily with veterans and families of the fallen, right? So um, while we do have, we call them inspired civilians. So like me, an inspired civilian who hasn't served and hasn't lost a loved one, but as a support, but knowing that we're helping these, helping individuals, our Spartans is what we call them, as they're transitioning through these different phases of life um, and transitioning either out of military service or, you know, getting through that, that experience of losing a loved one. And then not just saying, you know, here's some tools, but really empowering them to give back. So often when we are in a place where things are hard, where we feel like, you know, like we're grieving or where we're 
transitioning in the, and experience, experiencing a loss of some sort, it can feel as though we've lost ourselves and lost our power. So rather than saying, you know, hey guys, you're fine, you know, what we do is we really reach out to our Spartans and we empower them to give back. Whenever you're in a position to give back to someone, that right there is so powerful and so meaningful because it changes that narrative of someone being broken or less than. And it really says, you're not, you have had this experience that has been traumatic or hard or difficult and you're not just like surviving it, you're thriving in it and through it and continuing to give back and continuing to serve. That's huge. That's huge. Like to get to be a part of that is amazing. So just talking to you and hearing your passion and, uh, you know, inspires me already, but what are some of the things that motivate you? Oh man, first and foremost, first and foremost, my kids. Um, like I said, I have three boys. They are 11, 15, and almost 18, which I am oh, wow. slowly coming to terms with. Um, <laughs> but I think it's so important for us as parents, as individuals to not only talk to our kids about like what's important to us and what we think, you know, they should, what should be important to them, but to also allow them seeing us live out our passions and seeing us live in our truth and, and do as we do, not just as we say, right. Um, and so a lot, most of what I do is for that reason, right. So that my kids can say, this is how we give back. This is how we support others, others. This is how we create community. Um, that's really been important for them as they've transitioned as military kids from place to place is having that ability to reach out and build community. Um, they're in different capacities of it, right? Because they're different kids in different ages, but um, they are a big part of what I do. And then the other part is for everybody who cannot speak out. Um, a lot of times whenever we have challenges, whatever they are, um, it can feel like we can't speak to them. It feels like we have to be quiet about them. We have to be, you know, secretive about the things that are hard and we just have to keep that like positive lens on everything um that's not true that's not true whenever we talk about the things that are hard whenever we talk about the challenges whenever I tell somebody the story of me living in Connecticut and sitting at a PTA meeting or a back to school night actually um sitting there and I'm visibly pregnant and the teacher knows that I'm new here and my husband's sitting there next to me and we're talking, you know, cause I don't know anybody else in town. And the teacher comes up to me afterwards and she said, I am so glad you could make it tonight. I'm sorry, your husband couldn't make it. And I said, this is my husband, but my husband's white. And we were in small town, Connecticut. And that was not what they expected because I was the only black person in that school, um, unbeknownst to me, right? Um, it's one of those stories where you're like, really? This happened when? And it was 2011. So this was not like, you know, forever ago. Um, yeah, yeah, 2011 is when this happened, right? But sharing those stories are the stories, that's the connection point where somebody can be like, I had that happen to me and I thought it was just me or I thought maybe I was misunderstanding. And that's not, the, the stories are real, the experiences are real. And so whenever we speak to them and share them, we empower other people to see their stories as real and authentic and we validate them, right? And then once we have that conversation, then we can start saying, okay, so what's next? How do we fix this? How do we move yeah. this conversation forward? How do we, and this is, this is one of my biggest things that's so silly, but it's one of my biggest points. The question that you see asked so often among, amongst military spouses, Hey, I'm moving to X area. What are the good schools? It's a simple enough question, right? 
it was a question I asked before we moved to Connecticut that first time. And I went to the school where I was told this is the best school in the area. Turns out it was a good school, but it wasn't the best school for my family. Yeah. Because we were the onlys. And it was, it's, it's a, it's not a great feeling. Right. And so whenever I see that question, I'm always like, well, what, how do you define good? What are you looking for in a school? What are your kids looking for? Right. We don't always think of that question off the top of our head, right? Even as we talk about some of the, some of the legislation and the advocacy that's being done around military families and moving, I saw one of the things that was brought up was making sure that families can afford to live in the school district that they want to live in. So like making sure that things address to be age and things like that. And it's like, that's on the surface level, that is a great initiative, right? Let's dig in a little bit deeper. What does that mean? That's saying, okay, so we need to be living in the higher income areas. What do those areas, what does the population of those areas look like? Is that a place where all military families are going to be comfortable? Or where just the, the military families who identify as white are going to be most comfortable? Because that's what that was my experience, right? And so having these conversations, that is what drives me is to have these conversations, have these moments that are called out where we can see it as not just an abstract, but as a tangible, like this is what's happening. This is the next step of this conversation. We want to improve things. Absolutely. Absolutely. We want our families to be um, financially and economically supported. And But we want to make sure that we're also looking out for the best for all of our families. Yeah, that with a that, long answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, that, that's a great answer. But how important is it as a military spouse talking to others is uh, empathy? Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, I think one of the things that we really struggle with as military spouses is the idea of being dependent right? Um, military spouses are some of the most resilient, independent, get it done people out here. But in the eyes of the Department of Defense, we're dependents, right? So we're secondary to our service member. Um, and so with that, a lot of times we can feel unseen, unheard, unsupported. So whenever we're together, it is so important to have that empathy and that understanding and to see the person that you're speaking to and to hear their story and to listen to them and to connect as much as you can. Because once we have that genuine connection, that is so like, that is that validation where you're like, okay, I'm not just a dependent. I can make changes. I can do this next thing. I can fight for my kids, for myself, for my spouse, for whatever needs to be done. And with, you know, taking care of three kids that, all of them are on the verge of teenagehood and moving. And then what you're doing with Travis Manion Foundation and Navy Spouse. How do you, what do you do to take time for yourself and your own mental health? Oh man. So this is an ongoing struggle. Um, I am working on it constantly on being better about self-care. Um, and we're geobatching too. So that adds another little like cog in the wheel. So my husband is actually stationed down in Norfolk. Um, and I am living primarily in Northern Virginia because our oldest son is graduating next year. Um, and so we wanted to stabilize him for a senior year. Um, and so there's a lot of times when I'm solo parenting um, and it's kind of navigating all the things. One of my biggest escapes is just getting outside and going for a walk. Um, moving my body is such a great way to move energy and move, whether it's positive energy, negative energy, whatever, just to kind of really stabilize myself. Um, I also really enjoy hanging out with my friends, uh, whether that be, you know, a happy hour, whether that be dinner, whether that be just like chit-chatting on the phone, um, just that connection and that, and that 
community of sharing, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is what happened today. Or, oh my gosh, this is what happened today. Having that touch point um, is really important for me. What advice would you give uh, new military families? The biggest advice that I give to new military families is to trust yourself. And it sounds so like, well, of course I trust myself. But I think as we get on this journey, especially as we join the, you know, as you join the military lifestyle, sometimes you can feel like there's so much you don't know that you have to lean on everyone around you to tell you what it really is. Um, and that's true to some degree, right? Some of the things that we need to help with, but also trust yourself, trust your gut and center yourself and know that it is okay to show up as your authentic self. Um, you don't have to try to fit a mold of someone else or some, what you expect, what you believe or assume someone else wants you to be or expects you to be. Um, there, there's so much value in authenticity and showing up. Um, and I think that's really important. So that would be my advice. What are some of the things you've learned from your husband? <laughs> my husband's a nuke. Dude, I've learned a lot from him. Okay. Uh he so the running joke is that my husband and I are about as opposite as you can get. Like he is very like black and white. This is what we're doing. It's X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, I'm a little bit of everywhere, right? Like it's fun. I keep him, I keep him like engaged and he keeps me from like floating off into the moon. Um, so I think organization, and that sounds so silly, but like he has helped me establish routines, organization, things that just kind of make this work, especially as we move into this season of uh, being a geographic bachelor. Um, he has also taught me the power of just kind of slowing down sometimes, right? I'm always here and here and here and here and here. Um, and just slowing down and really focusing on what's in front of me, getting that done, and then moving to the next thing. Sometimes I'm really good at it. Sometimes I'm not so great at it. Um, but we're getting there. <laughs> 